you know what time it is. Football season, Q4. It's time to close out another year of growth and prep for the next year of revenue. To bring in more business this Q4 and beyond, you need HubSpot Sales Hub. With a smart prospecting workspace, deal management suite, and AI-powered apps, you can take total control of your operation to generate more leads and land more sales. And when you pair Sales Hub with other hubs and HubSpot Smart CRM, your team will be on the same page across the entire customer journey. Leads won't slip through the cracks and data is connected across marketing, sales, and operations so you can better measure your impact on the bottom line. Stop sticking to those same old strategies and start closing more deals because the best time to score is Q4. Make the switch to HubSpot Sales Hub at hubspot.com slash sales. You're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow your side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikayla matthews Okome. So let's get started. Hey friends, hey, welcome, welcome back to the show. It's Nikayla here back with another episode. And today I have a special episode. It is a student spotlight with one of my podcast mogul students. If you don't know, Podcast Moguls is my mentoring and coaching program where I teach aspiring podcasters how to grow their show from hobby to hustle. Now, Lori is one of my OG members. Let me share a little bit more about her background before we get into today's episode. Lori L. Tharps is an award-winning winning author, journalist, and educator. She is a recognized voice in the areas of race, identity politics, and African-American culture. She has written for the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Philadelphia Inquirer, Glamour, and Essence magazines. A graduate of Columbia University's Graduate School of Journalism, Lori is the author of three critically acclaimed nonfiction books, Hair Story, Untangling the Roots of Black Hair in America, Kinky Gaspacho, Life, Love, and Spain, and Same Family, Different Colors, Confronting Colorism in America's Diverse Families. Lori also penned the novel Substitute Me. Today, Lori also works as a book coach and collaborator and has written four books in this role, including The Redemption of Bobby Love and the soon-to-be-released I Wasn't Supposed to Be Here. Both of these books began as posts on the popular Humans of New York Instagram feed. In 2021, Lori moved with her husband and children to Spain, where she launched her new podcast and platform, Read, Write, and Create, which serves as an online resource and sanctuary for BIPOC writers. In today's episode, you'll hear how Lori went from starting out in podcast moguls with a completely entirely different podcast to discovering herself, discovering what she was meant to be doing, which is starting the Read, Write, and Create platform and starting an entirely new podcast in addition to an entirely new life by moving to Spain and how her career and the podcast has thrived since then. I just love hearing how my students have been able to apply what they've learned and taken it and run with it. And, you know, shout out to Lori. I did not pay her to say any of these things, but she just has always been one of my number one supporters and I'm one of her number one supporters. That's why I had to name all her books because I've actually read her books before she joined my course and I was a little starstruck when she came to the course. So shout out to you, Lori. You might not know that fact about me. Um, let's get right into today's episode. Oh, and if you want to learn more about Podcast Moguls, uh, make sure to go to podcastmoguls.com and register for my next free masterclass on how to go from hobby to hustle with your podcast. Now let's get right into it. All right. All right, Lori. Welcome. Welcome to the guest chair. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. This is literally like a fangirl dream come true moment. Oh, stop it. I'm I'm just so honored to have you here. Like when you, um, you know, seeing someone go through the program podcast moguls and, you know, reinventing themselves 
starting one podcast and upgrading and starting another one with even more clarity and just seeing the life you're able to create for yourself as a result. I'm just so, so honored to, you know, be able to be a part of this journey. And I wanted to make sure everyone knows about it as well. So before we get into, you know, your experience with podcasting, I'd love for you to share in your own words who you are and what you do these days. Sure. So my name is Lori, obviously, and I started my like journey, my educational journey, you know, thinking I was actually going to be a teacher, which I think is kind of a theme on this show. I feel like a lot of people go to college and they're like, (laughs) I'm just going to be a teacher. Um, Right. Or just something that they're not anymore. (laughs) Right. right, Exactly. I actually never even made it to being a teacher. I majored in education in college. Um, I was born and raised in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. My big dream was to just get out of Wisconsin. Um, So I went to college, majored in education, planned on being a teacher. And then I actually had the dream of, um, you know, thinking I was going to go up into educational administration and completely Mm -hmm. revamp the entire system of education in the United States. However, my junior year of college, I spent it abroad and um, I was in Spain for a year and I met a lot of people who were not studying a language to, you know, be a better doctor or to get a better job in international business, but because they loved the language. They wanted to speak seven languages instead of four. Um, and they were really just following their passions. So um, it was at that point in my junior year of college that I said, well, I've always been passionate about writing, but I never thought it was something I could do as a job. So being there and having this like, you know, opportunity to really think about what I wanted to do with my life, because being, you know, doing a study abroad program, there's often just lots of unstructured time. So I came back to my, for my senior year of college and really was committed to saying, I'm going to do my best to follow my passions and be a writer. For me, being a writer meant becoming a journalist because a writer with a job was a journalist. That's how I saw it. Um, and thing. Yeah. You thought that was the only way to get paid. Exactly. Even though my fantasy, you know, I, my mother gifted me an antique typewriter when I was eight years old. And that's actually when I was bitten by the writing bug. I fell in love with writing at that young age. And I had this image of myself of being, you know, a novelist, you know, maybe in a cabin in the woods somewhere, writing wonderful novels and, um, you know, telling stories. But, you know, when reality hit, you know, in college, I thought, you know, realistically, I will pursue journalism because, again, that's a writer with a paycheck. But also, you know, using my own, um, you know, pursuing my own interests, I'd always been interested in so many different things. I figured journalism mm-hmm. was a great way for me to always have my toes dipped into different stories, you know, different people, places, and things. And the other thing is that I've always had a, a, a passion, not a passion, but a, a feeling of responsibility for social justice as a black woman, as a even as a black child, I recognized that I had some sort of responsibility to um, make this world a better place for my people, if you will. And I knew that as a journalist, I could do that by bringing attention to different um, issues, different people that needed, that required that kind of attention. So journalism was the focus for me. And um, after high, I mean, after graduating from college, I actually detoured into PR for a couple of years. I was uh, at a corporate public relations firm, but I always likened that to um, dating the brother of the man you really want to be with. <laughs> it's so- <laughs> I've never heard that before in relation to PR, but you yeah, know, I can relate to dipping your toe in PR. Like, what is this? <laughs> what is this? Yeah, word? I was like. I learned a lot, but I knew that's not where I wanted to be. So it wasn't something mm-hmm. I enjoyed, but I do always say I learned so much, you know, working there. But I, mm-hmm. after a couple of years, I applied and got into uh, Columbia University's Graduate School of Journalism and spent the rest of my career, my, the rest of my professional career as a working magazine journalist. I worked mostly for entertainment and lifestyle publications like Entertainment Weekly and Five and Essence. And then I segued into academia, we left, I had lived in New York for more than a decade. And then we moved to Philadelphia. And that's when I segued into academia where I taught journalism and creative writing for more than like 13 years and made it all the way to um, achieving a tenured position. So I was living the life of an academic and always 
freelance writing on the side. So during that whole time, I was writing articles. I wrote four books. um, I wrote anthology pieces, but it was always on the side, you know, finding time outside of my nine to five in academia. And I just want to point this out as the side hustle story here is that Mm -hmm. there was a time period when my children were very young, when I kind of stepped off the, the grind, if you will, and I called myself a freelance writer. And there was a day that I will never forget. I was at the Acme grocery store in Philadelphia and my debit card got rejected when I went to pay for my $17 worth of groceries. And so at that moment, I said, I will never be a freelance writer because (laughs) this is embarrassing. I'm like 30 something years old and I can't afford my $17 worth of groceries. I was like, my children will not go hungry. I will not be this embarrassed at the acne ever again. Um, but how traumatizing. Yeah, it was traumatizing. And that's why I always said, I will never be a freelance writer because it's too unstable. You don't make enough money. And that's not something I could ever do. And look at you now. Look at you now. I'm so glad you point out that story because there's so many moments like that in life where something happens and you just make this declaration, this like finite conclusion. I will never do this. Never again. Not going to catch me out here. (laughs) But, 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 but. All right. Never say never. Maybe it wasn't for you in that moment. You still had to learn things, but it doesn't mean you need to write off the possibility forever. No pun intended. (laughs) So (laughs) you were writing, authoring all these amazing books. And it's so interesting because when you see an author, when you see them come out with a book, it seems like such a big deal. You just think that that's all they do for a living. And some of them do, but you don't think of authors as side hustling, writers as side hustling. Besides that moment in that grocery store, what was it about writing that made you feel you had to keep it in this bucket of being a side hustle? I think it's just the way writing, I mean, once you're in the world and you realize that you know a lot of writers and not many of them are writing full time. It's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy when we say I can't write full time. That's that's just it's not yeah. possible. It's not sustainable. And yeah. it's in a lot of ways it's not. For example, if you want to be a novelist, like you don't get paid to write a novel until the novel is written. On the other hand, nonfiction books, you have to write a proposal and you get an advance to write it. So in theory you could be writing nonfiction as a full-time job. But when you think about the amounts that normal people get for an advance, and then you, you know, you look at that with the amount of time it takes you to actually write a book, you'd be making like negative cents an hour because it's just not going to last for the amount of time that you would need to, to actually complete a book. And that's the problem. The only people who are really like the people who are churning out a book a month, you know, a lot of times it's maybe romance novelists, novelists or um, ser- young adult writers who are writing series, you know, that are just boom, 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 boom. But those are so few and far between. So there's just not a lot of role models for what does it look like to be a full-time writer. And that's one of the things that I now am really not railing against, but really want to show people that there are ways that you can be a full-time writer, but it just, it's, it requires some different thinking of what does it mean to be a writer and what are the types of things you can do as a quote-unquote writer that can bring in um, an income. And at what stage in this process of your journey did you start your first podcast and what were you hoping to achieve with that podcast? Right, so <laughs> it was a process, Kayla. It really was, and, and it's so funny because you were my inspiration every step of the way. And it really was a learning process that I learned by listening to Side Hustle Pro. So I have secretly always had the entrepreneurship bug, okay? I've always Mm -hmm. secretly wanted to be an entrepreneur. Um, My father was an entrepreneur. He ran his own accounting firm. I didn't want to be an accountant. So like I couldn't, like if I talk too much about it, I think that's why I shied away from it because he was like, he wanted one of his kids to take over that business. And we were all like, no, no, not the accounting business. 
but I loved the idea of having my own business. I love to see my dad's name on the door of his office. You know, um, I love going to Staples and buying office supplies. So I really was thinking that when I first started Podcast Moguls, I had a, mm-hmm. I had a blog and I was thinking somehow if I turn my blog into a podcast, which is the new thing, that that right. could somehow be my first step into entrepreneurship because I can turn it into a business somehow. But mm-hmm. as I learned in your course, <laughs> I didn't have like an audience. I didn't have a perfect listener. And I remember being extremely frustrated at that part of mm-hmm. the, the course because my blog turned podcast, which was called My American Melting Pot, was pretty much, you know, what a blog from the first round of blogging was. It was kind of like, what's Lori thinking about today? That's right. It's kind of not- like a diary. And it's yeah. all about you and your your audience. Yep. Exactly. And so when you would say, it, well, in the course, you know, it's like, who's your perfect listener? I was like, myself. So that, was- <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't work. And you know what? A lot of people start that way. Like I started that way. But in order to validate the concept, you have to go out and and see if there are other people who are interested in that podcast topic and in that thing that you want to create a whole podcast about. Exactly. And so what happened is that 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 experience of going through moguls the first time left me very frustrated because it was like I was trying Mm -hmm. to stuff, what is it, a square peg into a round hole? Like I was trying to do everything you were telling us to do but the product itself, the podcast itself didn't work Mm -hmm. because I was, I didn't, you know, I already had the idea and it didn't really fit in, you know, with the um, lessons you were trying to teach us. And I just kept trying to ram Mm -hmm. it in and make it work. Even though there was no perfect listener. I didn't have even a, like a signature topic. So, and even like doing the Instagram, like looking for my audience, it didn't work because it was just too wide open. It wasn't too specific broad. enough. Exactly. So when I started my new podcast, I had such, it was like, I had to do the first round to make the mistakes, to see how it didn't work in order for mm-hmm. the next one to be right. And that was where it all came together was with Rewrite and Create, which is my current yes. project. are not the only person who has to kind of go through that process and that transition within the program of podcast moguls there are a lot of people who come in with one podcast idea and then pivot or you know just completely start a whole nother show and that's because like you said everyone wants to come in with their idea that they already had which you know no one wants to tell you you have an ugly baby as they say or like no one wants <laughs> Right. No, it's really hard to say to someone, hey, scratch everything you've been doing, because that's just not going to work. You created this and you never thought about who your audience was. It's too broad. No one knows what you're talking about. But these are the kind of conversations that we have inside of Podcast Moguls yes. that, you know, will help you to get to the other side of that, to get more specific and to to ultimately come out with something like you did that is resonating with an audience. So tell us about Read, Write, Create. First of all, did you create this after you took that leap and moved to Spain? Yes. Okay. So you have to tell us about the leap. You have to tell us about what made you leave that tenure job. And tenure is, correct me if I'm wrong, like this means you can't get fired, right? You are a a professor. (laughs) You got that job in the bag. It's locked in. Okay. Yes, exactly. (laughs) It's a job for life. And statistics Mm -hmm. say that women, Black women, and Black women with children, like that Mm -hmm. would be the three things that would strike you out from actually ever getting tenure. The like, it's something like 85% of Black women like women, black women, black women with children don't get tenure. I got pregnant while I was on the tenure track and still got tenure. And, you know, I I broke every kind of your, this is never going to happen um, statistic. So the fact that I left and walked away Mm -hmm. from that was really um, crazy in some people's eyes. However, I use the 
Michaela Matthews Okome Side Hustle Pro plan. <laughs> um, and what I did was, so just to back up, the pandemic, during the pandemic year, I was actually supposed to be on sabbatical, spending a year in Spain, working on a new book about the Black experience in Spain. Of course, because of the mm-hmm. pandemic, that sabbatical was canceled. Now, the truth Ooh. was my husband, who is from Spain, um, we mm-hmm. were actually contemplating possibly moving to Spain permanently a little bit in the future. And this sabbatical was just supposed to be a tester year. With the pandemic and the what I call Black Lives Matter 2.0 uprisings, I feel like mm-hmm. everybody had that moment to ask themselves, you know, wh- what are you waiting for? Tomorrow isn't promised. If you have some dreams and plans in your life, now's the time. As I said, mm-hmm. I'd always wanted to be a creative writer. I had always thought of myself as having that creative writer lifestyle, writing f- fiction, writing novels, even and then it you know involved writing children's books and things like that. And I had always said, well, maybe when I retire. And so when the pandemic hit, when the Black Lives Matter movement hit, it was like, let's stop waiting and let's just move right now. Let's just go for it. But of course, I am a practical person. And I was like, well, obviously, I can't be a professor at Temple University in Spain. So Mm -hmm. here's your chance, Lori. Can you make a living as a writer. I mean, I was almost 50 years old by then. I had been in this business for over 25 years. And it's like, can you do this? And so, Mm -hmm. again, all my lessons from Side Hustle Pro, I said, if I can match my salary, my my academic salary with my freelance work in a year, then we'll do it. And what happened is that, one, I was, um, got like many black speakers, which I also do public speaking, I was asked to do a lot of speaking during that year. You know, there were any, I think anybody who talked about race and identity, which is what I do, it's what I write about and what I do. um, I I was suddenly in much demand for speaking engagements. But the other thing that happened is that I got hired to do some, uh, a ghostwriting project. I had started dabbling in ghostwriting previous to this, and I had written one book with an Olympic athlete, uh, Iftihaj Muhammad, and um, okay. enjoyed that. And then in 20, I can't remember if it was the beginning of, or the end of 2019 or the beginning of 2020, but I got another mm-hmm. opportunity to do a ghostwriting project. And I um, wrote the proposal for the book, and that book sold for seven figures. And so Ooh. that was where I was like, oh, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> There's money to be made in ghostwriting. Well, look at that. Look at that. So that's what I mean when I say there are ways to make money full time Mm -hmm. as as a full time writer, but it might not be, you know, with your name in lights or, you know, doing the JK Rowling thing, you know, like getting an 18 book children's book deal and merchandising. Right. But um, so ghostwriting wasn't something that I had ever pursued or even thought about really. But and why it, was that? Do you think there's a stigma or was there a stigma around it? I don't think there's a stigma in general. I think, though, if, it depends what kind of writer you are and who you want to be and why you write. You know, so mm-hmm. it's like, I want my name on the front of the book. I don't want to be hidden <laughs> in the back, right? So it just was yep, never yep. something I thought I wanted to do. I mean, it just didn't occur to me that I would want to do something, again, and be in the background as opposed to, mm-hmm. because my my dream is to, you know, write my own books. Um, but I actually found out that, um, one, because I got to decide who I, I get to decide who I'm going to work with. And for this particular, for the, every book I've written with, in collaboration with other people have been, um, African-Americans who have amazing stories to tell. And that is my number one agenda as a writer, whether I'm writing with somebody or writing for myself is to tell black stories that, um, that expand the narrow, narrow narrative that we are often, you know, painted with in, in Mm -hmm. popular culture. So, um, Mm. so I didn't get the seven figures for the book, but I obviously get, a. I actually, basically I get a, I get a bonus. I have a flat fee as a ghostwriter, but then if the book sells for a certain amount, you can get bonuses. It depends how your agent works the contracts. But obviously, right, the bigger right. the, the sale, um, the better. So so speaking, 
ghostwriting and then continuously still doing, you know, my freelance articles here and there. Um, and I did some consulting as well. And so by the end of 20, by the end of that year, I had not only matched, I, I had surpassed my academic salary. Yes. We love to hear that. We love to hear that. And as you were doing that, were you also like paying off debt or just getting other ducks in a row to get ready for this leap? Yeah. So what I did, the first thing I did was paid off my debt. Um, And 2020, the pandemic year was actually a good year to pay off debt in the sense that we weren't spending as much. I mean, you couldn't go anywhere. Mm -hmm. You couldn't, I mean, you could theoretically buy things, but you know, even (laughs) my husband used to commute every day an hour into New Jersey. So just the gas we didn't spend. Um, So it was really easy, easy to pay off debt. Right. And we just paid it off. And so we hit zero. We paid over $50,000 in debt gone so that, not only if Amazing. we were going to quote unquote start over um, mm-hmm. and, and launch a business, then doing it without debt was the best thing. And the only way I wasn't going to bring some debt over to a different country. So right, um, right. <laughs> that wasn't a, that wasn't supposed to fit in the luggage. So, and some people have that idea. They're just going to flee America. They're going to leave those loans behind. <laughs> they're going to find like, you. It's not going to come knocking. <laughs> Every, I, I just, I was literally back in the United States last week and uh, my health insurance, you know, apparently they, I owed them like $65 and 22 cents from 2020. Oh, no. And they were like, oh, you no. owe us. So we're going to send you to collection agency. And I was like, oh my goodness, they will find you. They will, they find, will find you. Me. So pay off those debts so, before you go. Pay off those debts. So you start this new um, career, you know, you start doing other things. At what point? Did you feel comfortable enough to make the leap? And then what did you do next? Right. So once I proved to myself that I could create an income that was at the same level as my um, nine to five, if you will, um, that's when my husband and I said, okay, we can do this. You know, we can absolutely do this. And we then just made, again, Michaela, I I should name, if I was going to have more babies, I should name one (laughs) Michaela because- Oh I literally gosh. would say to myself, make the plan, work the plan, make the plan, make the work, plan, the plan. work the plan, y'all. That's what I had to do because I, I'm a great ideas person, but my follow through sometimes mm-hmm. falls off. And I basically, we just wrote lists on top of lists on top of lists about what we had to do to um, disentangle ourselves from our lives mm-hmm. in the United States. We have three children. My eldest was already you know, out of the house. So he did not come with us, but our, my middle child and my youngest child, you know, we had to figure out schooling. We had to, you know, we were renting our home at the time because we had mm-hmm. sold a house so quickly. We were in a rental kind of temporarily. So we didn't actually, that was actually a good thing because we didn't own a house. So house was okay. That was easier to detangle, exactly. disentangle. Sold our car, you know, got rid of a lot of things, said goodbye to a lot of people. And um, again, because my husband is from Spain, we didn't have to deal with, you know, visas and things like that. It was some okay. some paperwork, obviously, but um, we didn't have to deal with the kind of visas and things that somebody who's just, you know, trying to move to another country would have Studying to abroad. Right, yeah, exactly. So that was the the actual, you know, minutia of moving was just that it was like making the list, checking it twice. And, you know, buying yes. plane tickets, there was the addition of the fact that it was the middle of the pandemic because we ended up moving oh. in the middle of 2021. So we had to add on, you know, COVID shots and, you know, that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. once we had the plan, we literally just followed the plan. Follow the plan. Once you landed in Spain, how long did it take before you realized, hey, I think I want to start another podcast about what I'm doing now? Right. So it actually took me a full year because I'm a person with a lot of ideas. And I once I was un- <laughs> I can relate. <laughs> I, once I was, you know, free, you know, it's like, well, I could do anything. So one of the mm-hmm. things that I think it's important I would like to share on this journey is that it did take me a year to come back to the exact place I wanted to be, which was to make a living from my writing. For some reason, I didn't believe in it. 
like I just, it still made me think like, well, I've got to start a business. I got to do something that's like tangible, that's real, you know, selling widgets or, or, you know, just, it just, I, I can't even make a good, when I look back on it, I think what's wrong with you. You knew what you wanted to do. You knew you wanted to Mm -hmm. turn the, do the creative writing thing. And yet, and I'd even voiced that to other people. I'm in an accountability group. And when I got here and I would say, oh, I'm going to be trying this or I'm going to do that. They would like, didn't you say you were moving to, so you could follow your creative (laughs) writing passions? And I'd be like, oh yeah, I'm going to do that on the side. And I just kind of, I think it was just habit. I think it was Mm -hmm. just habit from all these years of thinking that writing should be on the side and not the Mm -hmm. full the full-time gig, not the focus. And, and I'm, and yeah. I'm, um, I'm saying that because I would hope anybody listening, you know, we have to, we have to really stop and, and be mindful and give ourselves credit for knowing what we want and not thinking it has to be something that looks like, you know, what she's doing, what he's doing. You know, he started a, 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 a truck company or he started a translation business, you know, something that seems more official as opposed to what we know we're good at and we know we can do. Let me piggyback on this moment too to highlight this point because this is something that comes up a lot and it's something I struggled with. We attach validation to certain type of businesses, certain type of careers. And so letting go of that is really, really hard. So now here you are, you have this awesome ability. You can go down this road and start this type of business, but because in your mind to you, that's not validated enough. That wasn't validated enough by society where you felt like this is good enough for me to do as my only thing. And so a lot of us struggle with that too. There's something you want to test out as your side hustle but you don't feel it's good enough or you are worried about what people will perceive. That is a limiting belief. That is just holding you back. Pursue it. See what happens. Explore because you'll be surprised where it takes you. So where did it take you once you finally let go of that thought pattern? Yeah. um, So it really was like an emotional thing to to say, you know what you want to do, just do it. And once I gave myself that permission, and it took a year, it really did take a year. And I went down some kooky paths in the meantime, but (laughs) (laughs) we won't get into that. But right, right. um, Once I, and it was, I think I read in a journal entry that I had written before we left Mm -hmm. the States, like, I want to teach creative writing and write my novels and, you know, have writing retreats. And it was like, I had the plan even written down. So I was like... (laughs) let's just do this. That's what you want to be doing. So basically towards the end of the, let's say the latter half, the second half of 2022, I launched my first creative writing workshop. I hosted a creative writing workshop just to test. So I knew I could write and I knew I could teach, but I'd always taught for other institutions. So what I wanted to do was create a business, if you will, where I did creative writing teaching creative mm-hmm. writing coaching and hosted writing retreats for BIPOC writers. And did you start this online or in Spain? Like, was this a, an in-person workshop or a virtual? It was virtual because my audience is mostly women of color, American. Mm-hmm. And while I would much prefer to teach in person, those people <laughs> are not here in Spain. <laughs> so um, <laughs> my audience is still in the United States. I hope at some point I will, you know, make a name for myself here in Europe, um, perhaps more likely in the United Kingdom. Um, but mm-hmm. for the time being, most of my audience is still in the United States. So all of my offerings are online. So okay. again, using your methodology, testing first, I tested by mm-hmm. launching one class. It was very successful. I got great feedback. And so in the beginning of 2023 is when I created the name of my business, Read, Write, and Create. Again, mm-hmm. a lesson. I'm just going to point out all the lessons I learned from you, Nikayla. So Thank you. Thank you for pointing them out. You know, I'm relearning them as you say. I'm like, oh, I did say that. <laughs> <laughs> you said, don't go for cutesy with your names. You yeah. right, Choose a name that is exactly what you're doing. So 
again, on my first blog, it had a name that nobody knew what it was about. I didn't even know what it was about. Yeah. I just thought it was a cute, clever name. It had a lot of M's <laughs> in it. Uh, however, this time I was like, what's the point of what I'm doing? Reading, writing, and creating. So read, write, and create. That's what I do. Got the URL, threw up the website, and now that's what I have distilled. Again, there was a lot of testing over this last year of different types of workshops, different types of coaching offerings, and different types of, um, well, actually, I have a retreat coming up in October. That is the first retreat I'll be launching. But essentially, what the business is now, what it really revolves around is me. I do a workshop specifically on writing uh, nonfiction book proposals. I do coaching one-on-one with thought leaders, celebrities, um, and other writers, authors of color who have something to say and need help getting it out of their heads and out into the world. And I help them um, really figure out what their messaging is, what their story is, and how to sell it. A book proposal is really a sales document. It's a marketing document to attract the right agent and then the right editor. And my kind of secret talent, if you will, is helping people really figure out what their story is. Um, A lot of my clients say I'm like a doula. I'm like a book doula. And I help them um, (laughs) like conceive of the idea and then birth the idea and then write it Mm. in a way that will attract the, again, the right editor, the right agents. And I try to do a full like bespoke experience. So not only do I help you write the proposal, you know, figure out what you're trying to say, but also try to connect you to the right agents and editors if you for traditional publishing. I don't work with um, self-publishing, n- not because I have anything against it, it's just that I don't have any experience in that realm. So I only want to, you know, f- highlight the areas that I know that I can be of service to my clients. So my tagline is I help BIPOC writers get their ideas out of their head into the world. And the way I do that is by really helping them get their story ideas into a concrete format in the book proposal. And in certain situations, I will continue to coach writers all the way through the writing process of their book. Um, And then also I have the retreats. I'll be doing two a year, one in Spain and then one in some other area of the world that speaks to my heart at that time. And those (laughs) will be creative writing retreats with you know luxury accommodations where BIPOC writers mostly women I haven't out I mean I don't have anything against men but when I do a retreat there's this you know I try to create a community experience so it's and usually we're in a a home together so having Mm -hmm. both men and women could be a little tricky so maybe I'll have men one day but the basic idea is that these retreats are for people to get away really get connected with their inner writer creative energy and come away completely invigorated and motivated with whatever writing project they're working on. Business Made Simple, hosted by Donald Miller, is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Business Made Simple takes the mystery out of growing your business. I recently checked out the episode called Your Website Probably Stinks. Here's how to fix it. And it is a must listen for all of us because if you have a website, you need to know how to have the clearest messaging possible that shows how you solve your customer's problem. Listen to Business Made Simple wherever you get your podcasts. It's a crowded world out there for us entrepreneurs. And one of the best ways to set yourself apart is great customer service. But there's a lot more to it than just being nice. So how do you create an experience that will keep people coming back? There is a recent episode of a great podcast called This Is Small Business that talks all about this. You'll learn tips like how to maintain a personalized experience as you scale and how to get customers bought into your brand and business. This is Small Business answers so many of these kinds of questions, questions that all entrepreneurs have. Whether you're dreaming of starting your business, looking to take a part-time side hustle full-time, or maybe you're a few years in and you're just ready to grow. This show covers it all, like how to find your ideal customer, how to know when you're ready to launch your product, and how to price your product, and tons more. Learn more about how to start and grow your small business. Check out this 
is Small Business, an original podcast from Amazon on your favorite podcast app. And big thanks to This Is Small Business for sponsoring the show. It sounds magical. And I know it will be helpful because I haven't started or even thought through writing a book yet. I know I want to do it one day and I'm coming to you when I'm when the time comes. I'm ready. Yeah. But what I hear from my friends who are writing is I know it's so difficult to tune out the world and really just focus in on writing, just clearing your mind. So being able to just get away and start that process and to really get in that process is so, so crucial. So what you're doing is amazing. I love the fact that you started a whole new business model. You've gone from being a professor with, you know, and being a, a writer, author on the side to starting a whole business practice consultancy around writing, helping people write, helping people bring their ideas to life and also approach it from a business standpoint, knowing how to now get this book picked up by an agent and then onto a publisher. So how does the podcast um, help with this? Now, I know that it's kind of like a lead magnet for you, right? Or um, wait, let me start that over again. (laughs) So I know you told me the podcast helps with all of this, right? It's kind of like a lead magnet. It's helping you to gain customers. Uh, So let's talk about this process. Um, When did you start that? How does it help your business? Yes. So again, um, you know, we, we learn as we go. And um, one of the things that, you know, doing the first, you know, doing moguls with that first podcast. um, Yeah. The, the financial part didn't work for me because I didn't have, there was a lot of things that weren't in place, but I understood mm-hmm. what could happen. And so yes. with read, once I started read, write and create, you know, I had the idea, I had the mm-hmm. services that I was going to be offering. I had the website, but of course that next question was, how do I get the word out? And mm-hmm. I love podcasting. And I understood that the other model for revenue generation for podcasting is not advertising. It's using it as a lead magnet for your business. It's a way for you to bring clients to your business. And whereas before I was like, oh my goodness, I'm not getting over maybe two or 300 downloads per episode. I'm such a failure. Nobody's ever going to buy ad space. But with the business (laughs) I'm doing now, I don't, I have a one-on-one type of, I do a one-on-one business. You know, it's me Mm -hmm. and one client. I don't want thousands of clients. I want maybe Mm -hmm. five or six, you know, per season. So even if I have, you know, let's say 200 downloads, what I'm getting is my ideal customer because read, write, and create, basically it's a little bite-sized bit of writing coaching on the podcast. So every episode, I'm giving you a little um, motivational writing coaching using mm-hmm. the our literary ancestors as motivation, right? So you get to hear how I would work. You get to hear how I talk, how I would motivate you, how I would help you be a better writer in just bite-sized pieces. And mm-hmm. I figured, well, if you hear me speaking like that, then you're more likely to hire me as a writing coach. And what's yes. interesting is that I hadn't even put up anything on my website yet. I hadn't put out any um, ads or anything saying I am now taking clients. And every people were coming to me saying, can I hire you as a writing coach? Because they heard my podcast. People yes. signed up for my courses because they heard me on the podcast. And I know this because I asked, again, mm-hmm. from your class, you know, data, you have to know why things are the way they are. So you can move accordingly. You know, you're not supposed to be guessing or thinking maybe this or maybe that. So Mm -hmm. anybody, anytime somebody comes to me, I ask them, you know, how did you hear about me? How did you find out about me? And nine times out of 10, it's the podcast. So even though my numbers aren't, you know, off the charts by any stretch of the imagination, that podcast is doing exactly what I need it to do, which is bringing me not just any clients, but the exact right clients, which is incredible to me. But because it, it's working just like I you love said that. it would. <laughs> yeah. And that's what is important. So 
you raise an important point, which I emphasize in the course that there are many different ways to make money podcasting. It's not just about the sponsorship route where you, you get money based on how many downloads you have. That's one way, but every single way requires hard work and it has pros and cons. So you have to look at all the things that are out there and then what do you actually want to do? What actually speaks to your soul and how you want to make money and the lifestyle that you want? And if it's not aggressively chasing downloads and then pitching sponsors and then waiting 30 to 60 days to get paid, then consider creating something, creating a course, using your podcast as a way to get people into your course or to get clients if you start a consultancy. So there are just so many ways you can make money podcasting. Do not limit yourself and do not get so hung up on numbers that you're forgetting that this is a piece of content that lives on Beyond when you originally publish it, people are listening to that all the time and you never know who's listening and then who is going to follow up and come knocking on your door. Exactly. And I do remember, you know, after that first podcast just didn't perform the way I you know, wanted it to because of numbers, I was really disappointed and depressed. And I was like, oh, this is terrible. This is not mm-hmm. worth it. I'm never going to make any money podcasting. And mm-hmm. I just, you know, I say that because you learn from the mistakes, right? And nothing's a mistake if you learn from it. And that's exactly what happened is that I realized people were listening. um, And I realized with, because of that, I I went into the read, write and create podcast with such, with such a clear intention. And it worked exactly how it was supposed to, because I knew what I needed from the podcast. I created the content with that in mind I created the Mm -hmm. title with that in mind. You know, everything about the way I set up this podcast this time was very intentional. And sure enough, you know, following the rules, I got exactly (laughs) what I needed. And I'm just so grateful for that education that I got through, through your program. And also just by listening to you and all of the people um, that come through your podcast, it's, you, you realize that the the steps are kind of the same, you know, people are saying, Mm -hmm. you know, the same thing about knowing your audience, you know, having a real plan for what you need this part of the business to be doing, especially when it comes Mm -hmm. to marketing and advertising. I'm so happy that you have seen so much success after, you know, going through the program, following the course, following the blueprint. And what I love to (laughs) twice, twice, (laughs) what I love to is you created this new business for yourself and you're able to live life on the terms that you want. And also you thought about how you're going to get clients for this business, how you're going to promote this business, just organically talk about your business. And you thought about, hey, this might be the time for a new podcast. And it would make sense because here's what I would talk about. So I love the fact that you not only started the business, but you also thought about how you would promote the business. And so that's sometimes the missing piece, you guys. You'll you'll start a business and you are just in the business. You're working so hard. And then you look up and you're like, why doesn't no one know about this? Why is no one buying? Why is no one coming to me? You haven't thought through, well, how am I promoting the business? How am I marketing the business? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, I mean, I think that's actually the part of entrepreneurship that I like. I like the marketing part. I like the, I mean, yes. a little bit of Me my too. background, but I like that part and I love podcasting yeah. and it feels so Same. much better to podcast <laughs> when you know why you're doing it. Right. And right. then when you see the results, you're like, yes, it's working. Um, it's working. And it's kind and of like, that. you know what else, what I love about podcasting too is You're literally speaking. We're having a conversation. So this is not a heavy lift where you have to make it this big thing. That's what I love about it is that you're able to organically talk about your business. You don't need to make every show a pitch, right? Because you're organically telling people what you do, what you've learned. Hey, here's a tip I want to share with you this week. And, you know, reminder, here's where to find me. Here's where to find my services. But it's not this hard pitch that you need to do, like when you do a a Facebook ad or something, because you have more time to have a dialogue and it's just um, really more laid back. So that's what's great about podcasting. It's like this laid back form of marketing that's working for you 24-7. 
one of the things that when I was conceiving of, you know, what the Read, Write, and Create podcast would be, I really did think about, you know, how much time do I have to give to the podcast? Um, I also thought, so I decided to do a bi-weekly podcast, not a weekly. I was not, I, I wanted to make sure that I would be able to do what I said I was going to do, um, you know, mm-hmm. be consistent. And so one, I made that decision to go bi-weekly. Two, mm-hmm. I decided to make shorter episodes instead of trying to do 45 minutes to an hour, which I had done previously. They were shorter yeah. in length. And three, again, I was looking to my audience. What do they need? What does my perfect yes. listener need? They don't yes. need, uh, you know, a book review. They don't need to listen to a writer be like, this is how I write. You know, that's not really mm-hmm. helpful. So yeah. I found what they need is pep talks. They need to stay Mm. motivated because it's very hard and lonely and, you know, sometimes depressing when you're not, you know, your, your book didn't get picked up or you got a bad review or something like that or some sort of rejection. So the, the podcast really came from what do my, again, my ideal clients need and what am I, what am I able to provide? How can I help them? How can I serve them? So yes. that they feel like they're actually getting something, even though it might be a 15 minute episode. I want my perfect listeners to feel that they're being served in some way, that they have to tune in for that little 15 minutes of motivation. And I added that little extra bit of, you know, a little bit of a teeny little history lesson of some of our favorite literary ancestors. Like I have an episode about um, Toni Morrison, I have an episode about Octavia Butler. And what it is is, you know, these, these little nuggets about these different amazing writers is, you know, I mm-hmm. talk about how they struggled or I talk about what mm-hmm. their secrets to keep going, even when they faced adversity in their writing careers. So I add that little spin, which I think is unique. Most podcasts about writing don't add that, particularly when we talk about um, African-American writers. Um, so I, I give that little extra, I guess, spin, if you will, to mm-hmm. my motivational yeah. pep talks. And, and that's really all it takes is to, again, serve your audience, give them something that they really need and it'll be useful for them. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm sorry to keep like telling you how amazing you are, but that's <laughs> why I swear to God, I've listened to every single episode of Side Hustle Pro because oh I learned gosh. something. Honestly, yeah. I learned something yeah. from every episode. I'm not tuning in. I mean, I love to listen to you, Nikhil. I love your laugh. Like, really, it makes me so happy. But <laughs> You're making seriously. me blush now. <laughs> But I learned, like, I will, even if I'm I like, promise God, I, I did not ask her to say this. <laughs> I did not, I did not I'm pay telling her. You, I am telling you, I, even the episode, I remember the episode about the woman who had a lice clinic. Like she opened a clinic for, yes, yes. I'm, I'm like, that's fascinating mm-hmm. to me. She's just, a podcast moguls alum. Yep. So I tune in because it's useful and I want my listeners, yep. if you're a writer, if you're a writer of color and you just need some motivation mm-hmm. You know, even if you never hire me, I still want that service to be out there for other BIPOC writers, yes. because at the end of the day, I want to help more BIPOC writers mm-hmm. get their stories out into the world because we need them. And so, that's how I feel as well. Like, I want more people to just start exploring your side hustle. And, you know, I'll even have a transparent moment in that I feel that I have um, moved more intentionally, which can sometimes look slowly from the outside looking in, but that's because I care so much about you guys. I care so much about everyone listening and my audience. And I just want to make sure that everything I do is with integrity and there's time to make money. Money will come. I believe too, like one of my previous, my most recent guest, Jasmine, just talked about like money is in abundance and I believe it's coming to me always and not on some woo-woo manifestation stuff, but I truly do believe that for me. I know it's coming because I know I'm going to do good work, hard work and with integrity. And so I just want you to leave this podcast truly having the motivation and the inspiration to start your own thing. And from there, we could talk about, all right, you want my help with marketing? You want my help with podcasting? Sure. There's a fee for that. (laughs) (laughs) You want more, you know, one-on-one granular help? Okay. We can talk about that. Um, But overall, the platform exists to serve. And so that's another key thing when you're starting a podcast. I don't want anyone to get things twisted that you're supposed to, you know, the podcast exists to pump up your business. Um, The key distinction that Lori makes that I talk about in Podcast Moguls is your podcast exists to serve your audience. It's all about what do they need? 
right? So because she taps into what they need, yes, it helps her business. But some people come in and they have a law firm and they want to name the podcast after their law firm. Like nobody cares about your law firm. Nobody's picking up their phone like, oh, I can't wait to hear what's going on with that business today. (laughs) No, (laughs) no. What are you teaching me? How are you entertaining me? How are you uplifting me? That is why people tune in. So you have to make sure you're tapping into that with your content. Absolutely. And I feel like that's the biggest difference um, between my first podcast and this one is that I didn't Mm -hmm. know what people needed because I didn't know who was listening to the podcast. And that was that was greatly frustrating um, because I couldn't even ask because I didn't know who was actually listening. I mean, people were listening, but I was just. Yep. So before we jump into the lightning round, I'd love to know how you are juggling your work with uh, Read, Write, Create with also your actual writing for your clients, your ghostwriting clients. Right. Well, that is the big challenge. And um, Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm kind of up for it because it's what I've been doing my whole entire life. And then there's, of course, my own, I'm working on a novel right now. And basically it's a novel I've been working on for almost, I don't even know how many years because it's always taken a back seat to the journalism, to the professor work. But as a mother of three, who always had a job, who was also always side hustling, I have learned how to parcel up my time. So for example, I'm not taking any clients for July and August. I have worked like a dog up until like this moment and I'm finishing Mm -hmm. up client work and I'm taking July and August off to work on my fiction on my projects and I will be ramping back up. I, you know, kind of have a pipeline to, to get new clients come September, but that's the Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And having my own business is so wonderful because in the past, you know, I can't tell my job, like I will not be working. (laughs) (laughs) I will not be focusing on you guys this month. (laughs) Count me out from teaching this semester. But, um, but so that's something that's been a real benefit is that I, and, and that was again, something I had to learn because it was like, Oh my gosh, I'm so tired. I'm so overwhelmed and I'm not, and it's like, nobody is stopping you from switching up your schedule so that you can put a pause here. You don't have to see clients these months and, you know, spend that time on your work. So it really just becomes, you know, figuring out what works schedule wise and making sure everybody gets served and making sure you understand that you have to have boundaries and the clients will be there when you come back. love all of that. And I love the fact that you're in Spain now. I mean, I love that for you. I, I feel, tell me, is it more inspiring? Like you can like go to all these places and just kind of go to a cafe, have some tapas, like <laughs> and it's just a different energy than when you're in the U.S. Absolutely. But I have to say there's actually a very practical reason also why I was able to do what I do in Spain. And that mm-hmm. is that healthcare is socialized and university costs are a fraction of what they are in the United States. So um, in the US, if I wanted to do this, theoretically I could, but the cost of uh, health insurance for a family of five would be astronomical. And this would not be as much fun as it is because I would have to work even harder, take on more clients because of the money. And as far as my children are concerned, I would, I I mean, I don't know how I would pay for tuition. I mean, we're talking hundred thousands of dollars, I have three children. So um, here, my son is about to start college next year in the Netherlands, and the tuition is $2,000 for the whole year. And there's a cute, we get a discount of a thousand off for the first year. So I'm like, up move to the Netherlands. Looks yes. up move. <laughs> so, so did your kids ever? Were they ever like? But I want to go back though. I mean, was was it oh, easy yeah. for them the transition? My middle son, thank goodness. My eldest son didn't come, so that's not even an issue. He was, you know, started and done by the time we left. But my middle son was just very flexible, and I literally said, "Look, you can go to the co- go to college in the United States, but you have to get a full scholarship." If you want to do that, you go right ahead. I support you. And we all know his grades are not good enough for him to get a full scholarship oh, no, anywhere. You. So he was like, oh, huh. no. we about it, but it's just not going to happen. We love you, middle baby. We, we just being honest. 
So, but he's been really cool. But I mean, he found a program in the yeah. Netherlands where he can study nice. sports and that's what he wants to do. So he's fine. He's perfectly happy about mm-hmm. it. Um, very flexible. I was surprised, but it's been fine. But to your other point of, you know, being in Spain, uh, does it make it more exciting, especially doing creative writing? It definitely, I mean, it doesn't have to be Spain. I could be anywhere outside of the United States. It's just the difference. Mm-hmm. It's like having a different atmosphere. As a creative writer, mm-hmm. you need that kind of stimulation. You know, you get different yeah. ideas. Um, the, the Mediterranean Sea is literally a block and a half from my house. So yeah. I, I have different vegetation and flora and fauna all around me. So yes, I have the benefit of being in just a different place. I feel like I'm on vacation when I wake up every morning and I can travel. I can, you know, go to Portugal. I went to Morocco for spring break. And that is something that I feel like, I don't want to say it like you can only be a creative writer if you leave the United States or you travel to exotic locations. Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. But I do feel very blessed. And I feel like that has been a, a blessing to this business being launched because I do feel so inspired where I am right now. Uh, I just love it. Everything you have to say, I'm re-inspired. I'm reinvigorated to do the work that I do because I just want this for everyone. It doesn't, like you said, it doesn't have to be moving to a different country, but just recognizing that life as you know it does not need to be life in the future. That at any moment you can decide, I want to change. I want to do something different and then make a plan, work that plan. I'm not, we're not saying it's going to be easy, but it is possible. It is doable. So we're going to jump into the lightning round. You just answer the very first thing that comes to mind. You ready? I am ready. All right. Number one, what is a resource that has helped you in your business that you can share with the Side Hustle Pro audience? Squarespace. Um, I built my uh, Read, Write, and Create platform on Squarespace. And I actually, I used Squarespace years ago for something else and it was fine. But now Squarespace, for those of you who um, maybe get overwhelmed by WordPress, um, Squarespace now allows you to You can have a shopping cart on Squarespace. You can take memberships on Squarespace. You can pretty much do anything and everything you would need to run a business. They've got pretty good analytics, backend analytics. So if you want to sell, if you want to have a membership community or sell subscriptions even, you can do Mm -hmm. all of that on Squarespace now. And it's not very intimidating for those of us who, you know, don't know anything about coding and again, don't want to deal with plugins on um, WordPress. Oh, okay. Um, Number two, who is a non-celebrity Black woman entrepreneur or perhaps writer who you would want to trade places with for a day and why? Um, As I mentioned that I am a secret entrepreneur, you know, at heart. And so my person would be Rachel Rogers, um, who does the Hello7 podcast. And her book, I think We Should All Be Millionaires, I think is the name of her Mm -hmm. book. But she is such a badass. And she is like, it seems like she's like, I don't know why you're not a millionaire. And I'm like, I would like to know why I am not a millionaire. So I would like to, I would like to trade places with her and figure out yeah. how I could be a millionaire. She just seems so absolutely boundless. Like she doesn't take anything yep. as a, as a no or as an obstacle. So I'd right. love to just switch places with her and figure out how I too can be a millionaire. Love that book. I think it's mandatory reading for everybody. Um, Number three, what is a non-negotiable part of your day these days? You know what? I have to be 100% honest. I don't have any non-negotiables. I have three children Mm -hmm. and a dog, a very finicky dog. (laughs) And the day I realized that I don't get to claim a non-negotiable, like, is the day I actually reclaimed my happiness. Because having children means that something's always going to give. Somebody's going to wake up with a fever. The dog's going to take a poop in your bed. Something horrible is going to happen. And you're going to just be like, oh, my goodness. This is why I don't do dogs. (laughs) Smart woman. But really, I mean, I'm I'm being 100% serious that that was Mm -hmm. a lesson I had Mm -hmm. to learn is that, you know, when you have kids and you make plans and those plans get ruined, your day is you're either just destroyed or you just keep it moving. Mm-hmm. And that really was something that I had to learn was not to let the, you know, the inconsistencies of having children ruin my life. So that's, yeah. that's what it is. That's the truth. That really threw me for a loop a lot. Like you could just be chugging along, have all these plans on your calendar. And I'm like, 
where'd this stomach bug come from? What? What's, exactly. going on? <laughs> What's going on? That was taking us all down? What? What? I know. So, it's so frustrating. Yes. It's so frustrating. <laughs> so you just, I oh, mean, the day you realize it's not yeah. your world anymore, it's not your, you're not in mm-hmm. control. Yeah. It is actually yeah. a good it definitely thing. taught me to be more flexible and more open to what life has to give us each day. But yeah, it was definitely a, a learning curve. Like what? I have plans. I have meetings. Like and <laughs> you're supposed good, to be going good for business too. If you can be that flexible in yeah. your business too, because bad mm-hmm. things will happen in your business. I mean, a pandemic yeah. could happen. How do you, right. how do you recover how from you that? Pivot? How do you pivot? Yep. Number four, what is a personal trait that has helped you significantly in your business? My boundless curiosity. I am, I am so curious about things and that's what makes me a good writer. I, I am never the writer who doesn't have something to write about. I have so many ideas because I'm curious and I read a lot and I read widely. I read fiction, mm-hmm. nonfiction. I read you know, American authors, foreign authors. I read everything that piques my interest. And I think that that's, you know, as a, as an entrepreneur, as a writer, as an editor, as a coach, Mm -hmm. the fact that I have a, it's not that I have knowledge. It's that I have curiosity Mm -hmm. about all the Mm -hmm. things. I love that. And then finally, what is your parting advice now that you're in the guest chair? uh, What's your parting advice for fellow women entrepreneurs who want to be their own boss, but are worried about losing that steady guarantee paycheck? I think the most important thing, which isn't always the most popular thing to say, but what gave me the concrete evidence that I could do this was proving to myself that I could do this by stacking my coins, by Mm. saying to myself very simply, if you can make the same amount of money, then what would you, what would stop you from doing this? There's the proof is right there. I think that if you have that fear of losing a steady paycheck, the antidote to that is earning the same amount as your steady paycheck with your Mm -hmm. side hustle. And then then you don't have to be so afraid because you've got the proof right in front of you in your bank account that says, hey, you can do this. And like I said before in my story, that embarrassing day in Acme made me very afraid. That was my biggest fear. It wasn't that I couldn't write or I wouldn't get, you know, jobs here and there. It's that my bank account would be empty. And so by proving to myself, by filling up my bank account, it's like, well, now you're just making some stories in your head because you've proven (laughs) to yourself that you can do it. So that's what my advice would be is to just prove it to yourself with the finances. And then you don't really have anything to really be afraid of. Love it. And so where can people connect with you and read, write, and create after this episode? People can find me at read, write, and andcreate.com. That's the website where you'll find um, the blog, the podcast, lots of resources for writers. Um, and you can follow me on Instagram at my name, Lori, and my middle initial L Tharps. So it's at Lori L Tharps on Instagram, where I continuously showcase my literary lifestyle um, and hopefully inspire others to do the same. All right, guys. And there you have it. Thank you, Lori, so much for being in the guest chair. And I will talk to you guys next week. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other side hustlers just like you to find the show. And if you want to hear more from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Side Hustle Pro. Plus, sign up for my six foot Saturday newsletter at sidehustlepro.co slash newsletter. When you sign up, you will receive weekly nuggets from me, including what I'm up to, personal lessons, and my business tip of the week. Again, that's sidehustlepro.co slash newsletter to sign up. Talk to you soon.